Welcome, adventurers. With a new friend that seems to live only in her mind, Rianok contemplates what this might mean for her life to come. Joel Rigetti's Speaking Stone Studio presents... Tales from the Dungeon There was no conversation for the remainder of dinner. Her mother didn't eat anything else. The hours before bed weren't much better, as Rianok could feel the constant looks of her family. She excused herself early to bed, but she did not sleep. She lay awake, wondering again what kind of terrible being she must be. Her brothers and sisters had come in after a time and not long after the regular snores came from the usual beds. Some time later she felt a presence in the doorway. She pretended to be asleep, but risked a peek. Her father stood in the threshold. Rianok knew he was staring at her. Almost a full quarter bell he stood there, before turning and heading back down the stairs. It wasn't long after that that the voices of her parents could be heard from below. Concerned tones, agitated. Rianok slipped from her bed and crept down the stairs, just until she could make out the words. But how can you know that? She shares the same blood. Her mother's frantic plea. That was a long time ago, Barra. There is no reason to believe the girl is the same. Her father's voice retorted in an attempt to calm. No reason. The distracted looks, the talking to herself, and Roselia knows how many strange things have happened around her. Her mother's voice was raising toward hysteria. Gimeris, Brind, and Little Dav have all said they have seen her acting like a sheep. Donate the blackweed. Her father's hushing could be heard. Don't you hush me, Marcus Sagewind. You don't know what it's like growing up a Tarthistle. Always some aunt or uncle casting a suspicious eye on you, asking if you heard any whispers. And then, when they don't think you was listening, saying, She seems okay. Seems like the madness hasn't touched this one. She don't have the curse of Fion on her. For money, rude sake, Bara, it's been generations. Her father was getting irritated. She's just a bit odd compared to the rest of the children. Generations or not, not a tortoise alive that ain't heard the tale of Mad Fion, plagued by Cinder's whispers, who wandered into the desert never to be seen again. She heard her mother sob. I don't want her real not to go mad. The words landed like a blow, her body shocked into a ringing numbness. Rianok crept back up the stairs, the sounds of her father's attempts at consoling her distraught mother fading. As she lay back down to bed, her stomach roiled with acid and worry. Was she mad? Would she wander into the desert? 
The next day, Rianoc did the best job with her chores she possibly could, better than she had in years. Her father didn't say anything, but gave her a lingering hug before dinner. When dinner was done, she helped with the dishes, even though it wasn't her night. She kissed her mother's cheek before bed and told her she loved her. A tear came to her mother's eye, and she too hugged Rianoc over long. In the middle of the night, Rianoc rose, silent as a bat. She packed a few possessions and made her way from the house like a shadow, into the cellar with the winter stores. She took enough dried meat and apples to last a week. Rianoc left a brief note in the cellar explaining her plan to make her own way from here, that her family needn't look for her or worry, though she knew they would do both. After that, Cinder only knew. Rianoc knew but one thing. She wouldn't subject her family to the anguish of watching her lose her mind. It wasn't as if she had a plan, she just felt a way was better for all involved. Her feet had instinctively taken her east toward the river and the road to Cumbershaw. As she made her way, however, she thought of all the games of hide-and-seek she had played with a fox. There was no doubt her parents would look for her at first, and if they did, north toward Cumbershaw, towards civilization and safety, was the first place they would look. Not to mention she would have to pass through the lands of the Alpines, the Swiftwaters, and the Fiddlers, all well known to her parents, and guaranteed to give her up if they saw her. She pondered heading north, but off the road and through the woods. The problem there was there was no bridge, no ford in the river until all the way up past the lake, all the way to the town of Perkshire, three days from here. She could try and charter a ferry across to Cumbershaw, but that had the same problem of leaving a person behind to mark her passage. Instead, Rianoc left the road and turned south. She was pretty sure there had to be a way to cross the river at the Fenfergal outpost at the Knolls Reef. She just hoped it wasn't in or atop the wall. The sage winds were tall for halflings, and though she was but fifteen years of age, she had already reached three feet in height, and she still had some growing to do. It wouldn't be unreasonable for someone to mistake her as a fully grown halfling. However, despite her height, she had no idea if the soldiers patrolling the reef would just let her pass unquestioned. Cinder's voice came then. Walk on, my child. I will show you how your passing may go unnoticed. It is time you learned how to bend both light and shadow. The voice whispered on as she walked. Rianoc listened. With soul approaching its zenith, Rianoc stood in a clump of tall grass, looking south at the massive structure that was the Knoll's Reef. The wall itself was ten or so paces high and ran for as far as she could see both west and east. At this particular point in the wall, where the Fen Fergal passed under it, there were fortifications. Rianoc had hoped for a bridge outside of the outpost. 
but it appeared the bridge was the base of the fortified tower here. The bottom of the stone structure arched over the river, spanning the distance from one bank to the other. An iron gate hung down below the bridge and into the quickly flowing waters, preventing the passage of anything larger than, well, larger than herself, from traveling under the tower and into the wastelands south of the wall. Rianok swallowed. She had tried to go on three separate occasions already, each time stopping, convinced she would be caught. A laugh came at the back of her mind. I am watching over you, child. Bend the light. Bend the shadow. They will see what you show them. Rianok began to chant the words Cinder had given her, fingers dancing through a precise routine of positions and motions. A chill passed over her. The air glimmered around her, and with a last word spoken, the glimmer solidified. She could feel the light stuck to her, bound to her movements. It appeared to Rianak as if she looked now through a gauzy material. The light around her muted and softened. Rianak stepped out of the grass and went to the edge of the river. She looked upon the water. No flame-haired halfling stared back at her. Instead, a young dwarf, skin the color of red rock, dark hair tinted a moss green, stared back. Through the nerves, a surge of joy pulsed inside of her. She had done it, changed her appearance. It was short-lived. The joy flitted away quickly with the thought of having to talk to the soldiers at the outpost, to face their harsh questioning. Before she could lose her nerve again, she turned and walked down the river's edge. The fortified tower, which seemed large from two hundred paces away, continued to grow and grow as she approached. The top of the tower was likely another six paces above the top of the wall, and that made it the tallest building she had ever seen. At a hundred paces, she could see there was a guard standing at the west side of the tower. At fifty paces, she saw that it was just the one guard. He stood next to a wide entry point beside the tower. There were large doors swung in and a portcullis here, but it was raised. Rianok ran the line Cinder had given her over and over again in her head. My name is Bekra. I am traveling from Ironhold to Fells Crossing. I am going to begin an apprenticeship with a merchant trading company there. My name is Bekra. I am traveling from Ironhold to... At ten paces, the guard lazily turned his head her way, eyes briefly looking her over. Rianok could see here that the opening beside which he stood led to a bridge. It must pass directly through the tower. Her palms were sweating, heart pounding. As she closed the last few paces to the foot of the bridge beneath the tower, she wasn't sure where to look. At the guard? Eyes forward to the way ahead. Gods, could he hear her heart beating? When she was just before the bridge, the guard nodded to her. Rianok blurted out, My name is Bekra. I am traveling from Ironhold to Feld's Crossing. Trying to make her voice sound deeper. The guard, whose head had already been turning to look away, froze. 
his forehead wrinkled, one side of his face pulling up into a dubious sneer. Rianok stood frozen in terror. Why had she said that? Oh, cinder, you foul companion. A laugh could be heard in the back of her mind. The guard looked equally uncomfortable, not sure what to do about the awkward dwarf before him. His sneer widened into a fake smile. And then he said, Good for you, Becra. My name is Eglum, and I still have four bells left on watch. His eyebrows both raised in a get-the-hells-away-from-me sort of way. Rianok flushed, bobbed a curtsy, flushed harder, realizing how ridiculous that probably looked, and then lurched forward onto the bridge. She had to force herself not to run. Squeezing her arms to her side, her feet moved at a spastic speed walk. Ten paces in, she looked back over her shoulder. The guard was still looking at her. She flushed again. The guard shook his head and then turned to face west again. In the back of Rianok's mind, the laughter had descended into absolute hysterics. Fits of laughter followed by gasps for breath. Rianok frowned as she passed under the tower and over the bridge. At the high point, there was another soldier who guarded the stairwell. That must have been how the rest of the tower above was accessed. She stomped past that guard without so much as a nod. The laughter redoubled. In less than half a bar, she was appearing at the east side of the tower. The guard there was a much younger woman. She smiled and raised her hand to wave. Have a good day, traveler. Rianok cast a glare upon her and snarled. The young guard's face went white and she stood stiffly back to attention. The laughter in her mind became almost inaudible, the pitch going so high, the sound turning mostly into an inhaling wheeze. The four-day journey along the Knoll's Reef was uneventful. It was bitter cold and the sky threatened rain, but outside of a half-day's drizzle, it never manifested. She saw a few travelers, saw the occasional rancher tending to their herds of cows or horses. By the time she reached the last road, her food stores were already getting low. It became clear that her solution to get away from her family undetected had more than likely worked, but her preparation for her journey had been woefully insufficient. She had seen a few maps of the province and knew it was a ways north of the Knoll's Reef to Feld's Crossing, the next major hub of civilization. She could try to beg the mercy of a farmer or small homesteader along the way north but every interaction of that nature left a specific memory in someone's mind. A place and time that could be asked about and remembered. She thought it best to continue to be unremarkable for at least a few weeks longer until any hullabaloo about her leaving had died down. Rianok tightened her belt and turned north, eating half of what she had been on the days that followed. The rationing had proven unnecessary, but just barely. On the third day north of the reef, just before dark, 
she entered the southern gate of Fell's Crossing. Rianoch was stupefied by the size of the city. She had thought Cumbershall was big, and it was in its own way, but the buildings there were usually one or two stories, and the city had no fortified wall. After the destruction of Ardisport, Feld's Crossing had become the headquarters and central command for military operations during the war. She remembered her folks talking about it on occasion over dinner. The city was completely walled in, and with space limited, the structures within had been built up, having nowhere else to go. Buildings were narrow and four to five stories in places. Walking the streets, Rianoc felt as if she was passing between improbably tall hedgerows. It was here, with only two apples and a handful of dried mutton remaining, that the second failing of her escape came quickly to light. On the farm, food was free, and your bed provided for. In a big city, everything was for sale. Everything required money. Rianoc had taken all the money she had ever acquired with her. Six silvers and fifteen coppers. She had asked a street merchant who was closing up her stall for the evening where the cheapest lodging could be found. The merchant had scrunched her face, looking concerned at the young halfling asking such a question. She told Rianoc the cheapest place she was aware of was an inn in the southwest quarter called Rumpledumps and last she heard, rooms were a silver and two coppers a night. She had gone on to say she would highly recommend not staying there, it having a reputation of being a most unsavory place. What did she recommend? Rianoc had queried. Another scrunched brow, another frown as she was looked up and down a second time. The cheapest inn the merchant would dare recommend was the anvil's friend two blocks east of here. Rooms there ran two silvers a night. Rianoc did her best to hide her dismay. At two silvers a night, she would be out of money in less than four days, and that wasn't taking food into account. She thanked the merchant and made her way north along the main street, ducking into the first tavern she could find. The server had given her a funny look, but brought the bread, cheese, and water she had ordered without comment. It hurt to hand over the three coppers to pay for such meager fare. She drew up her hood to hide her young face as she chewed the bread. What was she to do? For the first time since the merciless mocking laughter at the bridge seven days ago, Rianoc heard Cinder's voice. It is... Simple, child. If you are to be about in the world, you need to make money. And as a chosen of mine, you are uniquely qualified to do so. There was a pause as the words of Rianoc's father came back to her. Cinder is the patron most prayed to by charlatans and thieves. The voice laughed its mischievous laugh. Find a place to stay tonight, my child. We will speak of work in the morning. But not here, I think. I have a feeling that Borgin is where we begin.
Where will Cinder's whispers lead, Rianok? What troubles lie ahead? Stay tuned next week for part four of Child of Shadow, Child of Mischief. Thank you.